All right, again, thank you for the presentation from Dr. Linda Menigans. I'd like to um, bring attention to the new SACPA booklet, magazine. It is a magazine. Um, one of the, the creator as well as uh, is in the room, J.C. Walker. The larger copies are for purchase. You can get them for $5, and there is also a smaller zine version for $2.50. So make sure that you celebrate 50 years and counting with SACPA. You get both for $5. <laughs> also, I'd like to remind everyone that tonight um, at the Lethbridge Public Library Community Room, from 7 to 9, there will be a session on how can the bikemaps.org project improve your bike riding experience. The speaker, the speaker will be Karen um, Labory, and this project is a it is a creation of bikemaps.org, and it collects information provided by cyclists and provides it in a online map. So if you have some time tonight, I encourage you to attend this event. As well, I would like to get the question and answer period started. So um, if you do have any written ones that you would like, feel free to bring them up to the podium or, or let Annalise know. And the microphone is just in the corner. Um, I encourage you to keep your questions short and welcome back Dr. Many Guns to the stage. My name is Terry Shellington. Thank you very much for your presentation. I appreciate your, your colors and your outfit. Um, I just want to ask a, a general question. It's become fashionable uh, at many conferences that I go to that uh, the speaker or moderator will say, well, welcome to you, and we're meeting on, in this case, Treaty 7 land. And uh, I'm interested in, as an Aboriginal person, how you feel about that um, and what the rationale would be and how you, how you react when you hear that. Oh my goodness, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Holy smokes. I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm of two minds, okay? Uh, it's nice to have the recognition. There's lots of street names also named after our people and things all around, <laughs> artifacts all over Canada that have our names attached to them. <sighs> I think I would hope that the naming and, and opening events with recognition of the land means more than just saying it so it's because it's socially correct. I think there needs to be some depth. I hear complaints from our Aboriginal people because they hear it as well. And for them, it just sounds like another nice thing to say but they're still living in an environment that's not reflecting much difference and so there's that mixture of uh, feelings and reactions to it okay 
I never ask questions, and this is my second time in a row. Okay, um, great. But the first part isn't really a, um, a question. Um, where is home is free now on YouTube, and I don't know how many people have seen Where is Home. Um, but it's done in Lethbridge about the street people, many of whom are native, and, and it's quite powerful. And um, speaking of documentaries, is there a place where we can get good documentaries, like Elder in the Making and other native um, docs? Um, I would recommend that you watch uh, the Aboriginal People's Television, uh, APTN TV. Uh, they have coverage from the north, from all over Canada. They've got uh, sections on, and whatever current issue is is topical, they'll get speakers in, and you'll hear the Aboriginal side and views, new things that are happening, new developments, uh, positive things too, are reported on. Uh, at APTN TV as well I think I heard the announcement that there's going to be two new Aboriginal radio programs that have just been announced uh, for Alberta one in Edmonton and one's going to be uh, running out of Calgary that will also I think I was I was actually listening to the man that runs the the organization and he's going to be uh, joining his southern uh, part with some kind of a, a transmission program that will actually reach all the way down here to Lethbridge. And in it, there's going to be discussions from Aboriginal people uh, using, in, in, in some context, the Blackfoot language and Blackfoot language programming will be on there as well. I know up in the north they're doing Cree. So I think you're, we're all living in a, a space in in time where new things are are happening everywhere okay hope that helps hi um i'm wondering if you could speak to oh sorry <laughs> my name is jamie um i'm just wondering if you could speak to um the discrepancy that's obviously happened if these students have have just graduated from grade 12 and they still think it's acceptable to be taking these sorts of actions is that something that you believe the school system can address? Or is that something you believe social uh, programs should be addressing? What, what are your thoughts on that? It's a bigger problem than just the school. <laughs> it's throughout society. I mean, those, all those kids come from homes and families. And you know, I, I don't think that uh, it was a, a, an incident that was just a small little infraction. As I said before, it's been going on in all the schools, and teachers were aware of it, and so were the school boards, and of course the families were. I'm sure they weren't getting dressed up in the garage somewhere. <laughs> so it's been quite widely known. And so as a result of that, that was the topic of our first uh, meetings. And it was like, is this a school problem? Is this our problem? And one of the things that we determined is it's, it's bigger than that. The school is one faction of it, but it's going to take uh, the whole community, the, the, the city especially. And uh, I was just at one of the events at City Hall this week, and they passed a motion to support a 10-year plan 
of implementation of the TRC recommendations. I think this might be the only city that, and due to these incidences, looking at the positive side, I think it might be the, uh, the, um, the ignite, actually, an interest in, in the community to actually pull together more factions than just education and the city hall and health and et cetera, et cetera, in order to put uh, the TRC uh, into place in more of a way than just words on a page, okay? Because TRC, the TRC, lovely language, but it has no implementation process. And if the city, uh, in collaboration with several major entities in, in the city and in the sphere, actually come together with the commitment and with putting some resources behind it. I know that the university is behind it and I know that the schools are. Education is one of the foundational parts that the TRC recommends as being kind of the teacher behind it. And as it happens here in Lethbridge, it's going to be the driving force. So I think this may be the first city that actually puts something like this together and I commend all the people for that. Okay, my name is Nadine Eaglechild. Hi, Linda, I want to thank you for your presentation and opening up the dialogue to talk about what we're here for, racism. Um, the question that was posed on the, on, the, on the website there was, is racism a generation or social thing? I, I wanted to talk, talk, I'll ask you a question about that. But first of all, I'll say I grew up here, I'm from the Blood Reserve. I grew up here, got sick of the racism here, so I moved away when I was 18. I moved up, uh, up north. I moved back home about 15 years ago and I've been in Lethbridge for 12. So I've dealt with the racism my whole life that's here, alive and well, in our city. We all know that. There's all these racist things that are taking part, like the cowboys and Indians, the, um, the carding incident that, that, uh, that's going on that was just brought into the media. And then with uh, one of our students at the U of L, Sarah Russell's artwork that got yeah. defaced. But the community came together and helped put that back together, so that was really nice. But anyway, I just wanted to talk about that, you know, the, the racism thing. There's a group of people here in town, called, they call themselves the White Posse. They, uh, they drive around town in a white truck. This happened to a U of L student um, who was going home one, one evening, late in, um, late, late in the evening. He was downtown at the bus stop. Across the street was an Indian guy and that white truck pulled up beside him and they started uh, yelling racial slurs to this, to this old guy. And then th they came driving by to him and started saying the same thing to him. And there was nobody on the streets, right, except the two guys. So he just stood out and said, well, come on, you know, take me on. So have you heard about that, that there's this group of people going around in a white truck beating up um, lone Indian males in the city? It, it's been going on a, a, for a while, apparently. Have you heard anything about that, and what do you think? Some of the things that have surfaced as a result of the, of the incident at the school have been very similar. Um, there's clubs that are in town here that are uh, specifically targeting Aboriginal people. They call them in, in the schools as well, found out about what are called bright white clubs and whatnot, so the Cowboys and Indians thing is barely scratching the surface in regards to 
some of the issues that Aboriginal people are facing on a, a regular basis. And when, you know, in the media, they were congratulating the little girl for having raised it. When Aboriginal people raise these issues, there's tremendous backlash, okay? And I know uh, we dealt with Brock at 99 a couple of years ago with my students. And Brock at 99 is a full-fledged, it started here in Lethbridge, it's a full-fledged racist initiative that has videos of the street people here in Lethbridge that have, have now become all the rage with the racist people. They have dog and pet uh, clothes, they have camping gear, they have whole stores full of stuff and they're continuing to make these videos. When my students raised this, because this happened in the 70s, right? And we thought it was a, a dead deal. But then when they started to investigate it, the whole thing, we found out it was linked into one of the wealthiest racist groups that exists. My tires were slashed twice in my driveway during that. So the repercussions that we go through in raising these and talking about these issues is very serious. So, but I do believe that we're in a different environment and that due to truth and reconciliation and people's interest. The room is full. You guys are here because you're interested in hearing maybe both sides of the story or you want to know more about what's going on in your community. That's really important. Uh, I'm Trevor Page. We had lively discussion at our table over lunch about racism, which we agree is very much here. Um, globally, it's getting worse, in my view. Mm -hmm. But bringing it back right here, I was certainly confused by the title on the Sagpa flyer, which reads, at its roots, is racism a generational and social tendency? Now, the title of your slideshow was quite clear. But um, we felt this should be, the question should be, is racism a generational or social tendency? And on those two aspects, do you know, or are there any studies that you know of that show what is happening generationally? Are young Aboriginal high school kids, um, is it such an issue uh, with both young Aboriginal high school kids and white high school kids? Is it getting better generation to generation or is it getting worse? And can you quote any studies or are there any studies being done to in fact measure this? Or is it a social tendency? They're different. Oh, yes, they're very different. <clears throat> very different. Um, studies of racism, of course, we... we, we Generational, is it getting better or okay. is it getting worse? Attitudes to, of young people, not we older people, young people, kids. Okay. <clears throat> I know in 2000, I did a study in Calgary for the city, citywide, and uh, it was the listening circles. And in the listening circles, uh, we had over 700 Aboriginal people 
of all ages come through um, focus groups or interviews or, or, or other qualitative methodologies and uh, gathered their data. And once I had gone through and identified issues, I had almost 2,700 issues uh, of incidences that Aboriginal people had experienced and they could only go back one year and they could only talk about their own issues. Um, as I started to sort through those items, I could sort the obvious ones into housing, justice, etc. And that took care of 700 of them. <coughs> there were 2,000 that were left that I didn't know what to do with, a huge pile. And they were incidences such as an elder, <coughs> he had to go do a prayer in the morning, comes to the city and of course doesn't really know the city well and would ask one of the uh, the men that sit in the bottom of those buildings that are you know like uh, information people for where to find this building they would send them in the wrong direction right I, just stupid incidences like that that Aboriginal people are plagued with on a continual constant regular basis that report didn't have anything unusual in it because all the reports that have been drafted in Canada by cities, by... <laughs> I, I had a report, because uh, I had to do a literature search, actually, when I was doing my report, and there was a 1965 report that uh, was part of the literature review. One page of it fell out, and it was sitting on my desk, and when I finally got through that and I was doing my data analysis, I, p I ended up picking up this page, and I was looking at it, because all the numbers were the same as what I was finding, but it was just formatted differently. And it was like, why is this formatted this? Yeah, it's, you know, all the stats are still the same, and all the issues are exactly the same, Aboriginal people have been talking about this issue. It's why they claim that they're tired of being researched because they have been saying every single thing about healthcare, doctors, healings, education ever since day one. So there's scads and scads of reports. Is there a difference? Is there a difference? I think today and at this point in time it becomes pivotal. I don't think it's changed much. I think we know that uh, the issues continue to exist. That's why there's such a separation of services in all of the cities, because all the services have failed Aboriginal people. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That's why you still have Aboriginal people with the lowest education. They drop out because they can't stand the ridicule and the harassment. They have a hard time maintaining employment because of the same issues. All of that stuff is still there. So what I believe has to happen is the, the not just the Aboriginal people, they're the, the recipients of the problem. The problem is the mindset of Canadians. You have been brainwashed to believing that the treatment of Aboriginal people is all right, that you can separate a group of people out for different health care, different education, different employment opportunities, etc. It's what a colonized mind does, okay? A colonized mind will see these 
activities in your midst and think that they're okay. As soon as you start to think they're okay, that's the actions of that colonized thinking. As soon as you start to break that, so it'll be our job to help you recognize that we are neighbors. <laughs> Before you ask your question, I just want to let you know that there's 10 minutes left, and we have three questions, so please keep your questions sure. and the answers short. Thank I'll you. Try. Douglas Mitchell, I, I just uh, absolutely endorse your concerns about racism within this community particularly, and that's what I want to focus on. Um, I came to Canada, first of all, Six, seventy years ago, sixty years ago, you know, seventy years ago, in, in, in and emigrated uh, just over fifty years ago, and I've been in this city for forty years, mm -hmm. and that's the first time I started rub shoulders with Aboriginal people, and over the years I've been pleased to see that there have been a lot of progress made about shooting down a lot of the terrible things that are, were included in the original Indian Act. Uh, however, my concern is addressing what can we do? I think most of us here, I know many of them, uh, would agree with you we have a problem here. And one of the things that gets me, we've got a municipal election coming up in October. And at the last election, we did have one Aboriginal person stand. I think it's a disgrace that we have no representative from the Aboriginal community on city council. And I would hope that, and I'd like to get your response to that in terms of how do we move forward in trying to uh, educate all levels of our society to counteract this terrible scourge. Um, it's a big job. Uh, I think that what, uh, what becomes problematic is you have Aboriginal communities that are fighting for treaty rights. They are fighting for human rights. They are fighting health care. They are dealing with so many uh, facets of society. When, take for instance, okay, just one small example, okay? On the reserve, you've got healthcare, education, you know, some various, you've got 11 different funding streams that fund various uh, initiatives on the reserve. Every single one of those agencies has to meet with the government, go through government protocols, all their, you know, all of this uh, filling out of forms. And what the government has done, or what they call self-government here in Canada, in any other country, it's true decision-making, right? In Canada, what it is, is it means Aboriginal people have to do more of the government's paperwork, and they call that self-government. It means that our people spend so much time in government meetings that they hardly have time to take care of these initiatives, never mind become involved in other political parties and other initiatives. Now the problem with that, and there's been some studies down the states about that, wh where you've got very successful uh, reserves with the casinos and they start to generate their own money and, and start to monopolize and, and develop their own self-government initiatives, 
what happens is because they're so turned inside and all their energy is focused on that building, what happens is the outside groups get very political with their politicians and they insist that they push to take the rights away from them. So the reality is, is what we're learning is you can never focus everything inside. You have to keep some fingers out there so that there's pushback. So we're learning as we go, but we're coming from such a, only since the 1960s did we get a, a sort of the Indian agents <laughs> um, power, but uh, gradually we're, we're learning. My name is Mary Shillington. My name is Mary Shillington. Thank you, Linda, for a very uh, enlightening pre presentation. I too was at the council meeting where they passed that, and was proud to be part of the people that were there. Um, uh, some of the people, uh, both Aboriginal and uh, Caucasian, have had experience with the blanket exercise as a way of educating and having us have an experiential. Uh, impression of what it was to be colonized in the Turtle Land, at Turtle Island. And so I'm wondering, what's your reaction to that? And I know a group of them are working hard to educate people in City Hall and council members and so on, and our church, uh, McKillop, is working on those kind of things too. So what's your impression about that, about the blanket exercise? <laughs> I was just in Ottawa, and the Aboriginal people there blanketed the whole of the hill <laughs> because it's on ceded territory, right? <laughs> so it's quite a political uh, statement. Uh, there's uh, people that know how to do that. If you wanted to go through something that, like that, I would suggest getting hold of the city people that are, are doing it. What it is, is a, it used to be a four-day event, but they cut it down. It's been cut down to one-day event. It's very emotional extremely emotional. You actually see, it's like a, a, a quick run through of the impact of being put on reserves, deaths, losses. You all role play, you get a scroll with, with who you're gonna be and whether you get killed by smallpox or whatever, or you're left on the reserve or you might be a chief that's whatever. Anyway, you role play and you go through right from the beginning of, you know, before contact, and then contact, and then the various uh, situations that Aboriginal people went through, or the relationship between the two groups. So it's very uh, persuasive in regards to giving you a quick and, and uh, very uh, sensitizing um, emotional journey through the experience of Aboriginal peoples. And the thing to remember is that we're still living with those, those losses and, and whatnot. Our communities, this is the first generation, our youth today are the first generation that, that are not going through residential schools. So we're just starting to heal. Okay, uh, my English name is uh, William Singer. I'm um, just wanting to know if you were aware of the, the press release from Alberta Health Services today? I haven't been aware of it. I've been focused on this horrible news that... Yeah, like you're, you're having this and this is going on too at the same time. Yeah, so what, tell, tell, tell us about it. Okay, it concerns um, uh, Alberta Health 
um, from the Alberta government. So this person sent a text to the KBE principal using the S word. So I don't know if you guys know what the S word is. It, the next letter isn't an L. Well, I'll just say that she, he referred to it as a squaw, and that's a word that we don't use, that you know, it's frowned upon. So I just thought you wanted to know. And also one thing too is um, I believe, you know, racism, we experience it, I've experienced it since I was born, and it's all of our duty to do something about it. I have a paper here, it's called Aboriginal Myths and Facts. You can pick this up at the city downtown. And this explains a lot of the myths, mis misconceptions about the First Nations. So this is a very important piece of uh, literature that has come on. It's brought to you by CMARD. So um, aside from you know coming here to listen to you, it was, um, it was an honor. And I don't have any questions. You've answered a lot of them. So I just wanted to make some announcements here. So if anybody wants a copy, I got a few of these. Mm -hmm. So come and see me. I'm sitting over there. Thank you. Yes, and you know, like you're making a very good point, and that is while we're doing this hard work of learning to find some places where we can collaborate and learn, at the same time, this stuff is still going on in the back rooms, and you know, documents are being signed in Ottawa that are contrary to this. Um, Bill C3 was just uh, um, renounced by all parties. Uh, well, the Prime Minister was renaming the building yesterday. So, yeah, it's, it's multifaceted, our problems. Mm -hmm. This is going to be our last question. Thank you. Linda, thank you very much for your presentation. My name is Mike McKeg. Um, I did 25 years in the Mounties, most of it in Alberta, Carson Station, those nice places. I think when we're talking about generational racism. Um, <clears throat> I grew up uh, playing cowboys and Indians, as we all did in the 50s. But <clears throat> I can say that uh, we have two grandsons in Lethbridge here. They're six and eight. And not only would they not play cowboys and Indians, but they also understand why mm -hmm. they wouldn't. And <clears throat> like I, I think that in the last maybe five years, I've learned or, or realized so many of the things that we as a society were doing and that I as a, a policeman was doing. I mean, I had the best intentions in the world for what I was trying to do. But there were so many things that because of our culture, because of the way we were brought up and the, and the societal attitudes, we just didn't know that what we were doing was so wrong. So things like you're doing, and like Willie's talking about, these uh, educational things where, where the Indigenous people are, are letting us understand, helping us to understand where these errors have been made. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Manyguns for your time and your talents and your knowledges today. I'd like to thank everyone for attending, um, for being a part of this, and to also take these conversations home with you, with your friends and your family. You can listen to it on the SACPA website, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.